Can well, first step. Can we just both smile so I can take a picture of us on Zoom? You know, as we move into this next part of our conversation together, I wonder if I can just break open our uh, the gospel reading from this past Sunday, and we can have a little shared conversation about that. You know, it's really moving story from this past Sunday that I think everyone is familiar with, but if you're not, that's great. It's the story uh, where someone says to Jesus, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus replies, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think a lot about the second part. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think in our divided and polarized climate right now, especially politically, we don't truly practice this. And we draw lines as to who our neighbor is. And maybe because of preconceived notions that we might have, we consider some people not to be our neighbors. And so, you know, I think of, I think of any, you know, everybody, everybody's made in God's image. So everybody's my neighbor. And so I see those who are suffering in, you know, I see those who are suffering in the, in the black community with recent police brutality. I see migrants who are not able to cross the border. I see children being separated from their families at the border. You know, I, we, I also think of the unborn. I think of all these neighbors that we have and you know all of these all of these life issues that i think are very important i just find it very important to bring all that into this conversation as loving your neighbor as you love yourself you know i've heard it i've heard a lot of people interpret this differently and i've heard it once talked about kind of flipped you should not withhold from your neighbor that which you would not want withheld from yourself that really makes you think about, you know, what do you have in life? A roof over your head. You have, you know, most of us, well, I mean, that, that's assuming something, but a lot of us have access to healthcare, you know, and it's like, there's a lot of other things we could talk about, but why don't we, why don't we love? Why don't we help? Why don't we serve our neighbor in these ways when they're suffering? Those are a lot of things that come to my mind when I think about this. And I think it's just so important as I started out, like in this kind of divided world we're in, just to, just to go to scripture and just to see where, where is that calling us? How is it moving us? Yeah, I think that's a, I've never heard of that second interpretation of it, but I think that's really, really fascinating. It's like in our country, you know, with, we are one of the wealthiest, most powerful nations in the world. We are also a capitalistic, you know, nation along with many, many other countries that are also very, very wealthy. And with this much wealth, you am privileged that Americans have. I, I think to an extent, you know, we all have some sort of privilege, whether that be our, our country, whether that be, unfortunately, you know, what gender you are. And there's issues, you know, with privilege, but there's also things with privilege that can give you a lot of power to make really positive change 
for many, many people. Think about athletes, you know, like I, I see like LeBron James, like the dude is like, I'll stop like, you know, talking like at like with LeBron James and the NBA, I love sports, but you know, the amount of privilege that LeBron has, like being the one of the greatest athletes of all time, having like millions and millions of dollars, like movie contracts, um, ad sponsorships, a lifetime deal with Nike. It's like, there are many people that have those same things and athletes, especially that don't do what LeBron does in terms of, you know, putting in money for voter registration in terms of like spreading that word, spreading the importance of voting, creating a school, the I promise school, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and sending kids in Akron, Ohio, you know, in his community to go out and do amazing things in college that many of those students, their parents didn't go to college or that creating so many opportunities and, and also just him being outspoken in the media about the murders of, know, George Floyd, but even just more directly, just the importance of Black lives in this country and the importance particularly to our democracy and to the well-being of our world in this fight for racial justice. And so I say all of this, (laughs) not to say that we're not all LeBron James, you know, in many ways, (laughs) But I say this, it's like, why don't we give? Why don't we do those similar things to our neighbor and to people that really need our help? I think it comes back to the verse about generosity. You know, we are paid more in our generosity and generosity of our hearts than anything, more than we receive. And I think about JVC, you know, with both of us not earning anything, but we still were paid and we still were paid in terms of the brokenness that we both were open to in our work and our commitment to learning and to being better. Like you say, there's lots of things in the media that tell us we shouldn't give and that we shouldn't, you know, be generous. We should Mm -hmm. be taking in, we should live in excess, pivoting to another point in that um, gospel reading was, you know, the, f- the first, first part of that was, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the basis of everything. If you think about it inversely, it's like, if you don't love your neighbor, well, then you don't love God. God is love. And the ultimate source of love and the ultimate source of creation, if you believe that, but ultimately love. And I think about that, you know, I, I, I try to do a better job, you know, and sometimes it's like, you can't always see God's love. You can't always see where God is because of our human humanity and because of our limited sight and our limited understanding of God, like any relationship with people that you love. And the same goes with God. It is an active participation. If you believe, and if you have that trust, that fundamental trust, that is the ultimate, most important thing. 
serving your neighbor and that generosity, all of those things help bring you closer to God and bring you closer to that love and in that connection and in that kind of awe of life, like just that wonder and that awe of just like being in this place and time and space and where God is intersecting. And so, you know, you talked about with, when you brought up LeBron James, you talked about, you know, why can't we all, why can't we be more giving with certain privileges we have, or why can't we be more loving to others? You know, as you pointed to, we do have relationships in our lives, like with people we love that we are, that, that does happen. And, you know, I kind of think about, you know, where for each of us, and like, I've thought about this for myself, like, where is that line drawn? Like with our community, we really had that, we had that love for each other. We had that, you know, we would give of ourselves when it was needed for someone else. But there's, there's a point where there's like, I mean, I I wouldn't just do that for a stranger. I wouldn't just give of myself for someone I've never met before. And well, why is that? Is that because maybe I'm othering them in some way? Is that because I don't know them? And I mean, maybe there's legitimate reasons. Like I can't just like go out and give everything to everybody, but it's like, you know, we love certain people more than we love others. And then sometimes that's okay. But I think too, it just goes to like our mindset about, certain relationships and how we think about like, well, why is certain love stronger? Why are we willing to like, why do we care so much about certain people in our lives? And then why not others? And so that's something, that's something that I think about too, with this, to love your neighbor, you know, the commandment isn't to love your family, just being honest. I mean, the (laughs) commandment's not to love your best friend. It's not to love your partner. The commandment's to love your neighbor. I find that challenging. I think that's intentional, maybe. I mean, I'm again, I'm not, I'm no biblical scholar. I will admit to listeners and to Billy, like, I'm not a great Catholic. You know, uh, <laughs> Get out of here. Like I, don't, like, I don't read the Bible very much. I mean, I've, I have been reading uh, a bit of scripture recently, but I think that's, that's a good point you, you bring up with like, where is the boundary? Like, what does that mean to love your neighbor, right? Like, you're not going to love your neighbor as much as you're going to love like your significant other or your, your, your best friend or your, your family member, you know, that, that wording is intentional with neighbor is because you don't know that person. Mm. It's because a neighbor is a stranger and coming from a different walk of life, coming from a totally different area. So loving the stranger loving the neighbor, it just challenges you and it, it allows you to be more broken and to, and to grow and to see a perspective that is different yeah. and that ultimately brings you closer to God because everybody in their unique walks of life and their unique faith and their unique beliefs and values you know, as Catholics, I believe it's the saying, it's like everybody has dignity and everybody mm-hmm. has God within them. And to love your neighbor is to embrace that, is to embrace the open-mindedness of meeting people that are new to you and what good comes out of that, you know, for learning your relationship with your God, 
with God yourself and with your community of loved ones, with your family or best friend or your significant other. And um, so that's where my mind, yeah. I think, is kind of thinks about. So. You know, a couple of things you said that I just want to mention quickly. Hearing you talk, this also reminds me of, you know, when one suffers, we all suffer and how our liberation is bound together and how, and just bringing back to what I was originally saying, why it's so important for us to care about all of our neighbors and why it's important to care about all of that. Yeah. And another thing I want to touch on what you said is, uh, you know, I think it's always important to learn from others, you know, and to come into that with that open mind. And like you said, what can, what can our neighbor teach us about God? If we come in with that mindset, you know, we're not out there trying to, we're not trying to convert people. We're not trying to teach them about our faith. We're not trying to teach them about what we think about the world. We're just always trying to learn. And I think that helps us better understand, better understand the world and better learn about our, our God through others. As uh, growing up like in a Catholic school and growing up Catholic, like you hear so much about the Good Samaritan, how you should, like what that means. It's like, oh, like maybe when you're a kid, it's just like, oh, you just help help someone when they're sick or you help someone like, you know, when they're getting teased or it's very like you are a saving mm. presence. You are a savior to a person that, you know, needs saving. At least that's how I thought of it growing up. It's not about that. You know, if any, like you are not saving anything. You have no, like that is not your, you can't save, you can't save. God saves mm -hmm. and you can be in solidarity, but to save, I mean, you think about like white saviorism. Yeah. And that just, the implications of that is just like, oh, because like I am of a certain race because I am the standard because I know and I'm closer to everything that you need to listen to me and that you need to obey me. You know, like you say, it creates this other complex mm -hmm. with the other party or the the person that you are engaging with the neighbor. And, and I think that's dangerous. And I think, again, this good Samaritan is about not one party rescuing, not one party saving. It is about this openness and it's about you come to someone and you come to a new person. This can be a new person or um, in your community, a new person in our country a new you come to these new people and places with open-mindedness and with an open heart in the mm -hmm. same level of dignity and respect that you give at a fundamental level to your loved ones and to your friends and to the people that are closest to you because in that again it comes back to that notion of brokenness you grow from when you are broken and when you are challenged 
ultimately you are closer to God when you are in unity and when you are in communion with other people and with God's creation. So that's, I think of it, the Good Samaritan, maybe more as you're building bridges as opposed to an ambulance or opposed to, yeah, you know, like sending out a rope to get someone out of the water. You are, yeah. you are building that bridge and you are building that and opening yourself up. Was that kind of how you interpreted? Because I don't know if you were taught this or like knew about the Good Samaritan passage when you were growing up, but was that kind of a similar notion? Because it's a big, I mean, for me, this is like a big gospel reading for like, you know, why we did service like growing up and like why, you know, you're supposed to give to charity. It's like this Good Samaritan. So was that kind of like a similar understanding growing up? Yeah, I definitely have always heard that story as we need to help people. And it's, it has that connotation, like you point to is like, okay, who needs our help? And then how can we help them? And it's like, you know, charity is important, but it's this notion of, it's like not a productive notion of service. It's like, I have something to give you and like, you should be grateful for receiving this. And like you say, you know, with white saviorism and just like thinking we know what's best for communities or like coming in and being able to help people when really like that's that's not a productive way to service and to building a bridge and to communication. Yeah, I mean, I really think that this, you know, thinking about this passage differently, I like what you pointed to. And, you know, recently I read uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s take on what he said about this. And, you know, he just pointed to, we need to think about more than just the Good Samaritan helping someone. We need to think about that whole road. We need to think about the Jericho road. And that reminds me of this notion of charity and justice, how they're linked together. And yes, it's important that we need to be like we talked about earlier, as we have privilege, we need to be there. We need to be serving. We need to be helping. But in a lot of ways, charity is just like, I've heard it called this like a band-aid, or it's just like, it's not the end all be all. We need to question the larger systems at play that create these situations and scenarios. And so that, that combination of like, yes, feeding people if they're hungry, but then like asking, why are they hungry? And looking at policies at play, looking at all of those dimensions. And so I think that the way that this passage is taught in, in uh, Sunday school definitely kind of dumbs it down. And <laughs> I think in a lot of ways that, uh, that catechism, in some, in some ways, I think it dumbs down some of these things to make it more easily d- digestible for, uh, you know, for students as they're learning the faith. But I think really, you know, why not present it as it is and allow people to understand kind of this, this fullness and complexity because these stories aren't easy. These stories, you know, there's, they should challenge us. I mean, I don't think, you know, the gospel shouldn't, like we're talking about, it shouldn't be comforting. We shouldn't be comforted by, you know, I don't think we should be comforted when we go to church on Sunday. It should be a challenge. Like, you know, we say at the end, you know, go forth 
you know, go forth in love or however, you know, anybody ends mass. And it's like, if you're not challenged, you know, with the gospel, with the sermon, like, what are you going to go forth and do? You know, it's, it's gotta be kind of a challenging and like uprooting some of your beliefs and this whole, you know, we're, we're uh, just, we're, we're going to be broken and we got it. We got to be broken. And that's, that's gotta be kind of a foundation for how we understand our faith, I think. And I, and I also think that in a lot of ways that that's not how people understand their faith. It's more of, Oh, I'm going to pray. And it's just a very nice way to live. And yes, that's important, but maybe it's not engaging with the world as much as our faith should. Yes. Yes. Um, I like how you framed when we talk about loving your neighbor, it's like, it's more than, than, than just donating to your church or donating to a charity. Like those actions, you know, are, are good. You know, there is, there's no doubt that donating is, is, is a great, great way to give and great way to extend your support to causes that care that you care about. But to really, to love your neighbor, you have to, you have to think a little bigger. You have to think what's, when we think about, like you mentioned with Martin Luther King, you know, his interpretation, it's loving your stranger, loving your neighbor. It's about charity and justice. They are just hand in hand you know, your actions speak so much louder than, than your words. And I think you're right. Like there are many Catholics or people that believe that will, you know, that will say, Oh, we'll pray for this. We're Oh, we'll like, we'll, we'll donate, you know, but we'll just keep this, keep these things in our thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and that is not showing that's, that's not what this verse is, is telling us is telling us that true love requires a further step. It requires a further step to acknowledge why is it that, say, in Martin Luther King, you know, in his time with segregation, why is it that the Black section of a restaurant is in much worse condition? Or why is it that Black schools are not getting funding as much as white schools you could pick any, any issue of segregation. And even today, you could, you could pinpoint those same points with our school system and with our healthcare system, with our entertainment system, like business. Why is it that the, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters that are black, why are they not getting these same opportunities and same platforms that they deserve Mm -hmm. and that they are doing better. It's about that taking that next step, showing that love requires, like you say, you know, okay, I think we need to examine maybe the root. Okay, is my foundation, maybe you donate to a charity, like, where is my money going to? If I donate like $5, I wanna see where that money's going. And you look deeper into your charity and you look deeper into, your nonprofit and where it's giving money to. And then you look at like, huh, okay, what is the, say, school system? What is the school system using my money towards? 
And you just kind of, you have to, you have to ask these questions and you have to think each step of the way, is this where my love is going towards? It's difficult work. Yeah. It's difficult to track and, and to see, you know, uh, policy, policy work and to see like structures that help people more so than others. It's really tricky, tricky stuff, but ultimately, you know, it, it is that work that is the work of loving your neighbor. We can all play our part and we can all, we all must play our part as citizens of this country in this democracy that we have, you know, to take advantage of our rights as citizens in our democracy and to not take those things for granted because we have a lot of power. We have a lot of power as people, as individuals in this country to take ownership of our, of our education system, of our energy, of our economy, of, of so many things. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are things, you know, and structures that make it a lot harder for us to see how powerful our voice is. But it's important that we recognize just, again, the privilege of living in a democracy and our, and our voice. And also as Americans, I think our history of, to an extent, being resilient and being a fighting, hardworking people People should vote, by the way, if we're not going <laughs> to. Yes, it's a very yes, of course. Thing, uh, so. You know, one last note I just want to make. You brought up people who pray, but maybe only keep that in their thoughts. You know, there's that common phrase a lot of politicians will use and say, you know, thoughts and prayers. And, you know, back when there were a lot of school shootings, I was reading about how, you know, a lot of Republicans would say thoughts and prayers at the same time while they're blocking any legislation on gun reform. And so, you know, what does that mean? And so I think for me, I really had to challenge what does it mean to, as we've talked about with this project, what does it mean to bring the real world into our prayer and our spiritual life? And I just love this quote by Pope Francis that you, you pray for the hungry then you feed them. That's how prayer works. For me, it's just rethinking what does it mean to pray? If I just, you know, pray at night and I say my prayers, yes, that's important. But where does that lead me? Where do my prayers call me? And if, if all I do is pray, is that truly enough? Is that truly what God is calling me to? So Pope Francis, what a man. He's been in the news recently. He has, yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff, which is a nice change, I think, for the Catholic Church. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah, he, I, really you tough. know, I see him as someone who tries is trying to breathe some some life, some life into the church, and who calls us to really important things to to care for our earth, to to recognize sins against creation, which people, I mean, which we we just haven't done, and you know, 
in a large way, he's, he's a critique of, you know, of capitalism and of how we value people and those things. And, uh, you know, as we saw in the past week, he, you know, saying it came out that he was in the documentary saying that same-sex couples should have a right to civil unions and just a varied response within the, within the Catholic church about what people think about that. To me, I just, I just see that as a natural extension of human dignity. We all have human dignity and the importance, the importance of affording that to everyone. Yes, it was, it's, it's very, very refreshing. You know, that comment alone was huge. And also just like you say, you know, his, his value for the environment, his, his value for um, human dignity, ultimately, you know, with this, you know, his remarks about civil unions. And I just really applaud, you know, I, I applaud those gestures and the church has a long way, you know, I, I, for myself personally, you know, I think to go in terms of being a church uh, that is true of its word you know, and that's true of human dignity. And that's true of, you know, what you preach, you know, practice what you preach. You know, I, I still would like to see, you know, more change and more, and I'm not alone. And there are people that, that see that. And I mean, I saw today with, there's the first American black cardinal. So that's incredible. <laughs> that's yeah, really, really incredible. Shout out to, to Archbishop Wilton Gregory. Very exciting. Yes. yes. Shout out to you. But overall, I, I, you know, Pope Francis is a really remarkable person and remarkable leader, um, you know, right now. Very blessed, you know, that he is at the, at the helms right now and he's making some strides. And so that's really, really positive. looking at the time uh thank you looking at our audience you know they're a little tired as well (laughs) we got a packed house (laughs) (laughs) thank you listeners for being here and for joining us in this new adventure and we're looking forward to to hearing your feedback engaging with you on social media hearing what issues you care about what you might want to talk about raising questions to us uh as we've emphasized over and over, we're just looking for this to be a space for us to share with each other and uh, with all of you. And so we're, we're hoping this can be fruitful. Totally. This time right now, you know, is, is really hard. It's really hard for, for all of us. You know, some of us are having it much, much more difficult than others it's really important that we have community and we have spaces where people can can share their selves share themselves and and also know that that there is hope I think that's you know something for myself I struggled with seeing hope you know when COVID hit and when the murders of black people and uh, in this country from police brutality and protesting, you know, it's, these things are incredibly 
despairful, is that a word? But they are incredibly sorrowful and very heavy. Coming back to the title of this, you know, a spirit less broken, we need to be broken by what is happening. We need to grieve and we need to not take our eye off of the news and eye off of this powerful work that organizations, you know, like Detroit Will Breathe are doing to make us a more equitable country. It's important, you know, that we take in these things, but it's also more as important, not more important, as important to know that you are still loved as a person and you still have God within you and hopefully with this podcast, uh, this project, interacting with Billy or myself or, or your community, that you can come into these spaces knowing that, that there is always hope and that there is always God. Sometimes it's hard to see and sometimes you don't know where it is. Just wanted to know that you are not alone you are never alone. Be not There's afraid. Always, be not afraid. Yes. You are always in a relationship with loved ones. You are always in a relationship with God and God that is love. You are always there. Amen. Amen. Woo. <laughs>